Hey there, it's Shannon Ballard. Southern Mysteries is on a spring break until May 1st while I work on content for new episodes. My Southern Mysteries patrons will see a new episode of the patron-exclusive Audacious podcast in their feed today. While the show's on spring break, I'm sharing a Patreon preview of the first episode of Audacious. The podcast focuses on some of the scandalous true crime stories in American history, including the story of Dolly Ustrike and her attic lover. To hear more stories like this one and catch up on previous patron-exclusive stories, along with the Southern Mysteries show archive, you can join me on Patreon at patreon.com slash southernmysteries, or check the show notes for a link to learn more. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy this preview of Audacious. Welcome to Audacious, tales of scandalous and shocking crimes in American history. I'm your host, Shannon Ballard. Chapter One, The Man in the Attic. How can love like ours be ended? A sensational tale of obsession and a secret lover hidden in an attic was front-page news in the summer of 1922. At the center of it all was Wahlberger Oosterreich, known to friends and lovers as Dolly. She was described in newspapers as a comely and naughty vamp. The housewife had a habit of entertaining a long line of lovers, including one who was willing to kill for her. Dolly's scandalous secret life went public in 1922, following the discovery of a body in her home in the Silver Lake neighborhood of Los Angeles. Police were called to the scene after a neighbor reported shots fired. When they arrived, they found the body of a man lying on the living room floor. Fred Oosterreich had been shot several times, but the kill shot was to the back of his head. Police heard cries for help coming from a locked closet. They found a key nearby and unlocked the closet door where they were greeted by a woman. She was hysterical, yelling about being shoved into the closet and hearing what sounded like a struggle between two men and then hearing gunshots. The officers urged her to calm down and asked her name. She said she was Dolly Oosterreich. They broke the news that her husband had been shot and he was dead. When detectives interviewed Dolly, her demeanor concerned them, and so did the crime scene. When Dolly insisted she and her husband never fought or even disagreed over anything, it made them very suspicious. What couple doesn't argue from time to time? Also, it was clear Fred had put up quite the fight against his attacker. The living room was in disarray, and there was a bullet hole in the ceiling. Detectives focused on Dolly as a suspect in her husband's murder. The murder weapon was a 25 caliber pistol. The idea that a robber would carry a small caliber weapon just seemed strange to the detectives. Still, how could Dolly have killed her husband when she was in a closet that locked from the outside and the key to that lock was outside of the door? 
the answer to that mystery would become one of the most shocking stories of the decade. The story behind the murder of Fred Oostrike in Los Angeles in 1922 begins in Chicago around 1894. That's the year 14-year-old Dolly Korschel met 17-year-old Fred Oostrike at a bonnet factory where the two worked. Dolly was beautiful, and Fred immediately fell in love. Within three years, the couple were married and moved to Milwaukee, where they opened a shoe store. Dolly and Fred were great partners in business. They did so well with the first store, they opened more in surrounding cities, along with a small textile company. The major part of Dolly and Fred's life that was suffering was their marriage. Dolly often complained that Fred could not meet her needs for romance at home. Fred was said to be hard drinking and rather unfeeling. Dolly looked outside of their marriage for the attention she longed for. In 1914, when Dolly was in her 30s, she met 17-year-old Otto Sanhuber. Otto repaired sewing machines. When Dolly's machine stopped working... She called her husband at work and asked that he send a repairman to help her. Otto was the repairman that showed up at her house. The story goes that when Dolly opened the door, she was wearing nothing but stockings and a silk robe. Dolly and Otto became lovers. Dolly was so obsessed with Otto, she asked him to move into the attic of her home so he would always be close. Otto was 17. He was young and impressionable, had no family who would miss him, so he agreed. Dolly set up a bed in the attic, along with other essentials, and each day she carried food to the attic for Otto. Her husband, Fred, was oblivious to the fact that his wife's young lover was living above him. Dolly had such a hold on Otto, he agreed to cut off all contact with the outside world and relied on her for everything. To Otto, the affair was this great adventure, and he was equally obsessed with this exciting housewife. But he would later say that once he moved into the attic, he became Dolly's sex slave. He explained that there were periods where Dolly brought him out to have sex with her six times a day. This lasted for years until Fred heard rumors that Dolly was having an affair with a sewing machine repairman. Fred confronted Dolly and told her to end it or lose everything. Dolly agreed, and Otto moved out of the attic, with Fred never knowing he had been there. In 1918, Fred suggested he and Dolly make a move from Milwaukee to Los Angeles. It was time for a fresh start. And Dolly agreed under one condition. She got to choose their new house, and it had to have an attic. She found the perfect house in Silver Lake in Los Angeles. Dolly asked Otto to come with her to L.A., And he said yes. She sent him on to the house ahead of her so he could settle into the attic of the new home. When Dolly and Fred moved in, Otto and Dolly 
followed the same routine in L.A. as they had in Milwaukee. Otto stayed in the attic, and Dolly let him out when Fred was away from home so she could have her way with him. Well, Fred did complain to Dolly from time to time that he was hearing strange sounds. He was even convinced this house was haunted. Dolly insisted Fred was paranoid and nothing was wrong with the house. If Fred had bothered to investigate things, search their home when he heard those sounds, it would have been easy to discover that there was a man living in his attic. But life went on. Fred went off to work while Dolly was at home with her lover. Otto mentioned being bored in the hours Fred was at home, so Dolly brought him books from the library to help him pass the time. Otto picked up a new hobby. He started writing articles and stories. He showed some to Dolly, who had them published under a pen name in pulp magazines. That was life for Dolly and the man in the attic until one night in the summer of 1922. The night neighbors heard gunshots at Fred and Dolly Ustrike's house, and police responded to find Fred had been murdered. Dolly's behavior on scene and in interviews continued to be suspicious. She kept saying they'd been robbed, but the only thing missing was her husband's expensive watch, not his wallet full of cash that he kept in the same pocket with his watch. What robber takes a watch and leaves the cash? The detectives didn't buy Dolly's story, but she stuck to it for over a year. Dolly inherited her husband's estate and moved to another house in the same neighborhood. The only condition for her move was that the new house have an attic. Dolly once again invited Otto to hide away. The only change in the relationship was a typewriter Dolly allowed Otto to use in that attic since Fred was gone. It seems Dolly insisted Otto continue to live in the attic because she wanted to welcome in more lovers. Dolly started an affair with her husband's estate attorney, Herman Shapiro. Dolly thanked Herman for his legal help by giving him a watch, which Herman immediately recognized as her late husband's diamond watch that had been reported stolen after his murder. Dolly explained she found it under a seat cushion in the old house when she was preparing for the move, but it seemed too late to mention to the cops that apparently it had been there all along. As the affair with Herman was heating up, Dolly met a businessman named Roy Klum. Dolly offered him sexual favors in return for help with a little problem. She explained to Roy that she had a gun that was similar to the one used to kill her husband, and she was worried that police would try to frame her for murder if they found that weapon. She asked Roy to get rid of it for her. He agreed and threw it into a shallow spot in the La Brea Tar Pits. Dolly had a second gun and asked a neighbor to do her a similar favor. He buried that gun under a rose bush in his backyard. 
By July 1923, police were still trying to solve Fred's murder. A detective learned Herman Shapiro had Fred's watch. After learning Dolly was sleeping with Shapiro, Roy Clum broke up with Dolly, and he went straight to police. He revealed he disposed of a gun for Dolly and gave detectives the location. And when the case made local newspapers again, Dolly's neighbor brought in the gun from under his rosebush. Days later, Dolly Ustrike was arrested for murder. While in jail, Dolly worried about her lover in the attic. She confided in Herman Shapiro that her vagabond half-brother was living in the attic of her home. She asked Shapiro to take food to him and make sure he was okay. When he knocked two times on the door leading to the attic, a thin and pale man named Otto greeted him. Otto had been alone for a while. He was desperate for human contact and very talkative. During the meeting, Otto revealed to Shapiro the true nature of his relationship with Dolly, and he confessed he had a role in the murder of Dolly's husband, Fred. Shapiro immediately told Otto Sanhuber to leave the house or he would call the police. Otto ran and eventually made it to Canada, where he changed his name, married a woman named Matilda, and started a new life under the alias Walter Klein. Back in Los Angeles, Dolly was detained in the city jail. When detectives asked her new attorney if they could talk to his client, he informed them Dolly could not discuss the case because she was ill. He expressed concern for his client due to the rats that were running over the cots in the jail. He said it was making his client sick and hysterical. The rat issue led to an expedited bail hearing for Dolly, who was released on a $50,000 bond. Dolly's trial was postponed or continued 10 times. Two and a half years after the murder, on January 16, 1925, Dolly was freed from facing a trial. Judge Carlos Hardy dismissed the case against her after the district attorney acknowledged he had insufficient evidence to pursue charges. For seven years, Herman Shapiro remained quiet about the man in the attic and the story the man told him about Fred's murder. He remained committed to Dolly and filed for divorce from his wife, Nellie. Nellie fought back, filing a motion that she receive all the couple's assets because she had supported Herman throughout their marriage help him set up his law practice, and he never contributed to household expenses. Nellie Shapiro won the case, leaving Herman with no money and no home. Herman moved in with Dolly, who promised him 50% of everything she inherited from Fred. They started a business that made loans on car purchases and then invested in real estate. The company was called Automobile Loan Corporation. Dolly and Herman were successful until Dolly met and began sleeping with Ray Hedrick. Herman Shapiro wanted to be the only man in Dolly's life, but she wasn't having it. 
she had her business friend, Ray, strong-arm Herman and threaten him to back off or she would dissolve their company. Then, Ray's wife sued Dolly for the alienation of affections of her husband. When Dolly sought legal action to dissolve Automobile Loan Corporation, Herman Shapiro, he had had enough. He wanted revenge. He made an appointment with the Los Angeles District Attorney, where he filed an affidavit detailing everything about Dolly's lover in the attic and the story he told about the murder of Fred Oostrike. Detectives finally heard a story about Fred's murder that lined up with the evidence at the crime scene. Herman explained that Fred and Dolly, they fought a lot. On August 22, 1922, the couple argued, and as Otto sat in the attic, he heard what sounded like a physical struggle. He said he rushed out of the attic, fearing Dolly was in danger. He grabbed Dolly's two small pistols and confronted Fred, who was understandably shocked to see this man in their home. He recognized Otto from their time in Milwaukee. Fred and Otto started fighting, and after one of the guns went off, Otto kept firing. He shot Fred three times, once in the back of the head. Dolly and Otto would later blame one another for the decision to stage the scene to look like a botched burglary. Otto claimed Dolly told him to lock her in the closet, and he followed her instructions to return to his hiding place in the attic. Dolly claimed she did what Otto demanded after he killed her husband. She said she was terrified he could do the same to her. Police now knew how Fred died and how Dolly could have been involved, even while locked in that closet. Prosecutors charged the pair with conspiracy to murder, and Otto was charged with manslaughter. Otto had returned to Los Angeles in 1930 as Walter Klein. He and his wife Matilda settled into a quiet life with Otto working at a local boarding house. That's where police tracked him down and arrested him. Dolly turned herself in at police headquarters. She had a good lawyer and the money needed to make bail. Otto was denied bail and remained behind bars. Dolly and Otto were granted separate trials. Otto stood trial first, with Dolly taking the stand to testify against him. She said Otto shot her husband and covered it up to look like a robbery, but claimed she was never a part of the murder or cover-up. She said she had to lie to the police to protect Otto because Otto could have turned on her. Otto's defense attorney contended Herman Shapiro made up the story about Fred's murder, and his attorney tried to create reasonable doubt by painting Herman Shapiro as a potential suspect in Fred's murder. After all, Herman was in love with Dolly, too. But the jury didn't buy it. When Otto's case was handed to the jury, they found him guilty of manslaughter. Moments later, his attorney filed a motion that Otto be immediately freed because the statute of limitations had run out on the manslaughter verdict. 
The judge verified the statute and released Otto on July 11, 1930. Once again, acknowledging lack of evidence to convict Dolly Ustrike, a new DA declined to try her again, and she, too, walked free. Dolly seemed to settle down and commit to one man for the next 30 years, Ray Hedrick, who became her business manager. In March 1961, the pair married because Dolly was ill and Ray needed to be able to make medical decisions for her. Dolly insisted she was only in her 60s, but in reality, she was well into her 80s. Dolly died on April 8, 1961, just two weeks after she married Ray. Thanks to a will Dolly filed in 1953, upon her death, Ray Hedrick inherited millions in real estate. As to Otto's fate, after he was freed, he and his wife disappeared. They most likely returned to Canada. A lot has changed around Silver Lake since Fred Ustrike was found dead in his home in the summer of 1922. The street name has changed, but the house where Fred died still stands. It's no longer a single-family residence. It's an apartment building with nine units. One of them is in the attic. In the talk of the 